Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, and this is episode 230. And what better way than bringing in another tens, if you will, than to have a very special guest for the first time, hopefully not the last, but for the first time. Why don't you introduce yourself, good sir? What's going on, all you minties? This is the Uncanny Omar. I couldn't help. I, I, I couldn't. I had, I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you, for, uh, thank you for giving us some time. You're a busy dude, always putting out videos and content. I don't know how you do it. And then when I found out that uh, you were going to make it your like full-time job for a little bit, I said, good for him, because I don't know how he's doing everything else if he does have a day job. So, uh, yeah, thank you for being on the show. It's nice to have you. How are things in Kentucky? looking better because it's getting warmer so i am looking forward to that i'm not the biggest fan of winter and then again we also don't get winters like toronto gets winters i assume so lucky you count your blessings buddy (laughs) were you always from kentucky Uh, i've lived in kentucky since 87 try to get out a couple times but always end up coming back i lived in miami atlanta but the main my stay here started in '87. Originally from Peru, where oh. we didn't get any snow or ice. Where I, I was city. Wow. When when did and how old were you when you came? I was eight eight years old when I came here in '80 '87. Yeah, celebrating my ninth birthday up here in Kentucky. Very cool. Yeah, my my wife is actually from uh, Ecuador. Not born there, but her parents are from there. So very neighbors, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... Absolutely, it's right next door, man. Right next door. So there's uh, a lot of Spanish speaking that occurs when I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everybody assumes that. And yes, we are always talking about you behind your back when we're speaking in Spanish. (laughs) And I've I've learned enough to know when they're talking about me. That's that's the the important amount. (laughs) So yeah, I wanted to say thank you for the, the... YouTube channel that you got, because especially during the pandemic, um, it's helped me find so many new things to read because I've, I've recently started reading a lot more. I always say this in the omnibus form and your channel is the best place to go to if you're not sure whether to buy the book or not. So thank you very much for helping me spend all my money, but for giving me good stuff to read during this time. Oh, you're you're so welcome, and thank you for the kind words. I'm looking at your shelf. I know people can't see it, yeah. but I'm looking at your shelf. You have some good taste. I see some Man of Steel in there, some Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka. Yeah, there's Classic. my omnibuses at the oh, bottom. Oh, you do. We got some Jeff Johns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I got on the other side. I'll flip my camera for you. The people can't see it, but then that's the Marvel shelf with the Oh, epics. look how pretty all those epics look together. That's the way God intended them to look. <laughs> Mine are, I like things. That, okay, you see your Captain America? Which one? That's the way my shelves look. Look yeah. at the Captain America yeah, epics. Yeah, with the Captain? You have one sore thumb sticking out, the Captain. All of my shelves look like that because I believe in um, – <laughs> I believe in putting them everything in chronological order so I could just be like, I want to read the next book. You know what? And I and I looked at your shelves in the background, and if you look at the top, I got Avengers that are – I got the Celestial Saga there. I know people are like, yeah. what are you guys talking about? That are all different spines, but for the exact same reason. They got to go in order. Yeah, absolutely, man. And then X-Men, I see those in chronological orders from trade paperbacks and in Omni's format. Yeah, That's right. So I appreciate the reading order videos as well. People don't think those are important. They help quite a bit. I wish I had those when I was first collecting. Right. Because they 
Um, that's why I decided to do them a couple of years ago. I wanted to make a video that would have I would have benef- benefited from years ago when I first started getting it because it gets confusing because not everything is volumes one, two, three, four, and five. Why would a publisher make it that easy? Right. We gotta we gotta throw in different titles. We gotta throw in uh, different formats. That's why the epics are so beautiful because the numbers on the back and you can cheat. You look smart to all your comic book friends going, "Oh yeah, man, that's the fate of the phoenix." <laughs> <laughs> like that obviously goes after the Proteus saga. Right, right. No, I, you know what? I was when the epics came out. I wasn't completely sold because it was like why would they just print a amazing spider-man cosmic adventures and this is the first one they do but or you know one of the first ones they do but it's volume 20 or whatever it is i'm not sure but when i see all the line that they've come out with and it's almost like piecing a puzzle together it's a lot of it's a great way to collect but it's a lot of fun too when you're when you're like oh finally i'm gonna fill that void i got these years all collected now it's uh, one of my favorite things to do because I find that to be the equivalent of what I used to do when I was a kid mm-hmm. was when I would find a comic book shop um, or I would go to a flea market, comic book shows, or sometimes yard sales. I'd pick up a random issue, and it was an issue I was missing from my collection. And and I could be like, oh, I can fi- finally ha- read all of this in, in, in order instead of just, I don't know what happened in this issue. How what? How did they fight Sabretooth? I remember that was one of I I missed Uncanny X Men. I think it was like two two thirteen, which is the wrap up of the Mutant Massacre, and I didn't get it year or so. Ah, but now it's like now you get now you get that feeling if you miss an epic collection, right? <laughs> epic collection goes out of print. You're like, oh, I gotta I gotta find it. But now we have the internet. We don't you don't have to go out anywhere. Yeah, it, but it's true about the epics, right? They're like it's. I find um, with the, the the formats of collecting, whether it be uh, epic collection, omnibus, whatever your preference is, and the, depending on on how you you shop for them, we don't get the same type of shipping that you guys get in the U.S. So you guys are really lucky. Yeah, I talk to Curtis about that quite often, and, and the you know the expense that comes with these. Because one thing that a lot of people don't realize here in America, whenever I do my shows, is like, yeah, yeah, epics are cool, man. They've been they've been the same price since the beginning, and then they may go up five dollars. But Curtis taught me that apparently it doesn't matter what the price is here. Sometimes they go up in price in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, Just and what the price is in America. Yeah, and it feels like you're watching stocks when you want to find it for a good oh. price because you're like, okay, it's right now at you know American cover price or Canadian cover price. I want it at yeah. least at American cover price, and then it's like, oh, is it gonna go out of print? Is it hot? Is it? And then all of a sudden, when it, it happened with the Silver Surfer omnibus, I, I had put in a pre-order for it, and then. I don't know if they expected as many people to get it as quick, but I didn't get a copy until months later because it just wasn't yeah, available. And, and sometimes, you know, and it gets harder to find because you can blame YouTube influencers or maybe I like to blame that maybe the pandemic just made people, you know, branch out and relive their childhood by reading comic books. It does. I mean, there was definitely a certain spike in graphic novel sales in 2020 immensely huge. Like one of the biggest years for graphic novel sales was in 2020. Not a, not just in America, but worldwide. And a lot of that has to do with what you just said. You know, being at home and trying to find things to read so you don't get bored out of your mind. Yeah, and it's even even for guys like us where 
we have a lot of the stuff that we rebuy because they've formatted it so <laughs> yes. much nicer. And it's like... But sucker for that. <laughs> totally. I'm a big sucker for that. And sometimes I've bought a, a an epic collection that I have the omnibus for, but I can't bring the omnibus with me on to, on vacation. So I might as well have like a, a nice one. It, I can't tell my wife that. She'd get very upset. <laughs> but it's it's one of those ways of like curating our collections, right? Where you want it to be accessible but also look pretty on the shelf as silly as that sounds no 100 percent. because for anybody that doesn't collect comics they come over and they see your shelves and you're like yeah i read comics and they look at things like this and they're like what those are book are those books what is this i you know people that have how how is it it seems like these uh the geek culture has expanded in uh all over the world where it used to be like only select few people would read comics now because of the movies, because of even, you know, memes or places like Hot Topic, people just know comics are comics. And so most people that come to your to, would look at your shelf right now and be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely, you know, a collection of comics, a trade paperback. But I love the people that don't even understand the concept of comics like that. Look at my shelf and they're like, wait. What? That's a big book. And I'm like, yeah, it's a $100 book. They're like, $100 for a comic book? And I'm like, well, it's more than one comic book collected in one big book. And that concept completely blows their mind. They're like, what? That's crazy. Why would you pay that much? Yeah. And does it go up in value? How much is it worth that? People, oh, when, yeah, yeah, when they want to know what you have, go. yeah, they's like, do you have valuable ones? And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> sometimes well, they when become. when they go out of print, they do get valuable. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's like we're, when people look at our shelves, it's clear that we're collectors, but also like we're real readers. I know that sounds snobby, but we're, these books are here because we're reading them. Not just because yeah, I want to speculate that it's going to be expensive later. I yeah, I mean that's why <laughs> that's why I have trade paperbacks behind me. That's why I have epic collections. I've I've got really crappy old trade paperbacks. I just I was looking at my uh, my shelf of Avengers, and I was thinking of doing you know every month I do a poll. Uh, to let people vote on what the next reader should be. This mm-hmm. next couple of months is locked in with X-Men, though. But I was nice. like, well, maybe this summer I'll, I'll see like if somebody wants an Avengers. Maybe I'll put that up against Superman. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so embarrassing. I have the Corvax saga, but it's like literally the original trade paperback that came out in like 1997. <laughs> and I never bothered updating it because I thought, oh, one day I'm sure there's they're going to collect this in some kind of nice format. I wanted a deluxe edition, so I, I didn't get the 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 Marvel premiere version. I and because when Marvel premiere version coming out, they started doing omnis and I'm well, it's a popular book. I bet it gets an omnibus done. And I've kept that really crappy yellow yeah, yeah. spine yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> and that thing went for a lot of money before the uh the Marvel premiere copy came out. Yeah, because the Korvac saga or even just graphic novels back in the nineties, they weren't common. There was a few nope. that were, you know, they, I remember Panic in the Sky from Superman was one that was was collected yeah. in a trade and Death of Superman, those ones. But it wasn't, you didn't get a shelf in a comic book store or a bookstore like you do now, not even close. No, not not even, man. It's it's crazy how, how much better things have gotten yeah. over the years. And 
even then, like, I remember, uh, what was the other one? There was another trade paperback. Oh, uh, The Last Avengers, which is, like, one of my favorite comics by Peter David. That was later on collected in uh, Avengers First first to Last, like a Marvel premiere. Yeah, it hasn't yeah. been collected anywhere else, but there was a trade paperback back in the late 90s. That I remember. That thing a lot of money, too. So do you have a preferred uh, format? That you collect in, do you have a like a, a this is the one that's just my favorite, or is, do you, is there a mix depending on title or era? Um, sorry, sorry, you cut out. What, what, what did you say? I'm sorry. It's okay. It, it, is there a format of collecting that you prefer, or is that dependent on character or even like an era? So let's say like a Uncanny X Men from Claremont. Would you want those to read those? Oversight, omnibus. <laughs> omnibus, yeah, yes. Okay, so is that always so, your your go to omnibus first? Uh, no, that's not necessarily true, uh, because I've sold my Iron Man omnibus, my Captain America Silver Age omnibus, my Hulk Silver Age omnibus, my Thor Silver Age omnibus, because I noticed that a few years ago Marvel really started pumping out their epic line, and for me. I love Jack Kirby, and this is going to sound blasphemous, but I don't really have to have Jack Kirby in a precise format. I can have Jack Kirby in standard edition uh, format. So, if it's X-Men, I want top of the line. Like, if it, to, to me, X-Men is my title. It's my childhood. It, part of who I am is because of Claremont's stories. Uh, and I know he... It was more than Claremont that wrote X-Men. I realize that, but to me, it will always be Claremont. That's, that was my childhood. So... For me, X-Men, I have to have the Omnibus format. Now, I did get the box set. Uh, Marvel was kind enough to give me a review copy of that when it first came out. And I gave, I've given away all the other box sets they sent me. But that's the one that I'm like, what? I think I'm going to keep this one. This one's X-Men, and it's nice in chronological order. Uh, it's a nice hardcover format. It's not oversized, but they do include something that the Omnibus don't include. And that's the... Uh, the, pretty much the missing years, like what happened to Beast, uh, what was going on uh, with Multiple Man, and setting up all the events that happened later on in Giant Size X-Men 1. And that's also collected in an epic format, too. The Dawn Before the... the Dark Before the Dawn, is that what it was called? One of those. Uh, it's in between the years, but that was never available in size card cover format. Yeah. Uh, the, the the epic collections, I think, were, were definitely uh, a game-changer. And I agree with you. Have I just got the uh, fourth edition or the fourth omnibus for the uh, Claremont years, and I'm excited to. I've never read those, the volume three and volume four content. Uh, there's many series within there that I've read, of course, but a good chunks of them I know. Like this is the era where this happened, but I've never actually read them. So it'll be for the first time. I'm very excited to finally have a nice place to read them all because they weren't all neatly collected before. I don't feel. They were all kind of scattered a little bit. You had to piece it together to, to get all of those things. So now to have them in omnibus form, it's very, very nice. Uh, yeah, it feels like you don't have to spend an arm and a leg, right? Where when, If you're collecting single issues, can you imagine like if your missing issue is something that's not really popular or reprinted, right? Like, like Uncanny X-Men number 97, you're missing that issue. Yeah. Or Uncanny X-Men 101, you're missing the first appearance of Phoenix. Even a beat-up copy, you have to spend an arm and a leg on. So we live in this, what I like to call the 
golden age because I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. Better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of uh, collected editions, where I feel comfortable enough that at one day I will I will look at my shelf and go, man, I have all of X Men from issue one to five hundred in chronological order. Including the tie-ins, crossovers—it's just a wonderful feeling mm-hmm. because that's the way the long boxes used to make me feel when I was a kid. Like, yeah, I collected all of X Factor, yeah, or even, or even lesser-known series. You know, like, Mutant X, yeah, I'm all yeah. done with that. <laughs> do you have uh, since X Men is your team? Do you have that X Men book that made you like you? I love the X Men. This was the the issue that kind of did it for me. Or was it just a over time that it happened? Uh, for me, X-Men was like coming home to a second family. I grew up um, in Peru, and then when I came here, I barely spoke the language in America. So, and where we came from a country that, you know, we, did, we didn't have a lot of money, that my, the nuns at a Catholic church decided to let me go into a Catholic school. I got into a lot of fights uh, because I didn't understand the language mm. and my clothes look different. I look different. So for me coming home, it brings back memories of like, you know, these characters are different. And, and I felt like I was just like everybody that goes through, you know, uh, all these things. Cause we all do no matter what, no matter if you're foreign, no matter if you're, if you're tall, if you're skinny, if you're fat, if you got freckles, kids are always going to find a way to pick on you. Yeah. The kid, kids can be jerks. That's just, that's just fact. But this was a way for me to, uh, you know, come home and I don't know. It felt nice. It felt like I wasn't alone. It felt like I had another family besides my family's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, of course. But what kid really comes and tells home, like, uh, comes home and starts telling their mom and dad, like, I got picked on or I got into a fight. Like, my mom would see bruises on my arm. And I, and I did. I got a lot of scuffles. So, not really a specific book, but I mean, I, there are a lot of books that mean a lot to me from X-Men, whether it was like my first issue with 68. Uh, I always say God Loves Man Kills is the perfection of an X-Men story. I'm a big fan of the uh, Fall of the Mute. The big crossover, non crossover, because they were each each theme thing. But yeah, it just it's always been a part of my life. And then when I came back to reading comics, because I took a break for about years, hmm. I came back to read new X Men. And then when Astonishing hmm. came out, it felt like coming home again. And I was like, okay, comic books will always be a part of my life, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went through a, a similar experience just with the medium of uh, coming back home to it, and it being that uh, I always have I always have a book by my side because there's uh, there's that is that sense of nostalgia, but there's that um, that hopefulness that these books give you that um, understanding of other that you get when you when you read something like the X Men, and there's analogs of what's happening in the real world that help you kind of oh so if i under i can understand this i should be able to you know kind of understand this thing that's happening on a larger scale but even just the sense of imagination and adventure that you get from these books it gives for me that same thing of of coming home you feel like a kid again while being able to appreciate these stories on different levels as you kind of time travel with them as things get collected differently and like now i'm gonna be in the 70s with the surfer or i'm going to be in the 80s yeah, x-men yeah. it's it's cool to kind of see the world through that in a in a bigger way it's it's hard to explain but comic books afford that sort of adventure that other mediums don't 
Yeah, of course. And and it's hard to describe that to somebody that doesn't really read comics. But then again, everybody has a thing, right? People, yeah. movies, video games, uh, the things you grew up with to escape reality, no matter what music, yeah, books doesn't yeah. matter. I think we all have a thing that we we used. And for me, you know, it was always comics. They've they've always been like the backbone of pretty much my entire life. Even when I wasn't reading them, something would always bring me back. Yeah, that's cool. And and I I really enjoy the fact that uh, you can you get your wife involved in reading. Was she a, was she a fa- <laughs> always a comic book fan, or was that something that you yeah, introduced? Before- before we both uh, met, she was reading comics. Um, Very she cool. likes Sp- Spider Man was her character, and then she got into manga. Um, and now my kids, and that's funny because like my kids, people are like, "Oh, that's so cool! You get to tell, like, you get to get your kids to read comics." It's not that easy, really, because it, every child has a. You know, I'm not going to force my kids to read them. I'm not that kind of parent. I will su- strongly suggest that if you want to do something, you better finish reading this issue. But also, you know, I want them to have fun. I want them to pure, like just find things like I did. Yeah. So yeah. my daughter, when she turned 10 years old, came down here and I gave her, you know, the keys to the okay limited access to some books. <laughs> Can't have the top shelf stuff yet, but. You know, she chose Transformers, and I was so happy because I love a trans- the IDW run of Transformers, and she fell in love with that series. Um, but both of my kids, I always tell the story about how Tiny Titans was mm. like this the staple of this household, like learning guide. Everybody has Doctor Seuss or or you know the, the the Big Bear and the Strawberry, whatever books that kids had growing up in every household. Ours was the Tiny Titans because both of my kids knew their Teen Titans. ABCs. Like when I was like, show me where's Beast at it. I was like, show me, show me. This is my favorite one. Show me Donna Troy Wonder Girl. And they knew the difference between Donna Troy and Cassie Wonder Girl. And I love that. I'll never forget that. There were two different Wonder Girls in the same comic. <laughs> That's parenting done right. <laughs> I'd like to think so. If I've done that, that's the only lesson I need to te- teach my kids: the two differences between the Wonder Girls. <laughs> I I don't have children, but that's always the I I tell my friend Adam Chapman like there's sometimes books that are on sale on uh, on online, and I'll say you gotta buy it, and he's like I don't know if I want. It. I go, but you gotta read it with your son because I can't do it, so you gotta do it for me. I love hearing uh, parents tell those stories of of the kids getting into the the fandom with them on their own, of course. But to hear like that, that sort of fun that you guys can have together is always, I think, what we dreamed of growing up, right? Because it, it was a lonely yeah. thing a lot of the time. Like, oh, look at this guy reading comic books. So that's very, very cool. Um, as a collector, as, a, as an expert in the collection biz now, and in many, you know, as an influencer, it, it's, uh, it's a question I think worth asking you. If someone were sure, to start man. to collect comics but they didn't know where to start, how would you direct them? And I know that's a very broad uh, question, but I guess if they're into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? They've, they really love the Avengers. How would you direct them into how it's, to collect? It's, that's, man, that, that question was so good 10 years ago, but freaking Marvel has like stolen my thunder. Uh, because <laughs> seriously, they, they have released everything in just about a, uh, a format that's like that literally what you said. Oh, you like the Avengers? Well, let me introduce you to the Marvel Select line where this Avengers comic is exactly what you're going to get out of the movies. 
so things like that i'm like okay that's a that's a really good idea like they, they should have done that and they and they have it accessible in graphic novel format which is a smaller scale for books mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like for kids smaller scale books for kids and they have it in hardcover format so you can give it as a gift to somebody and they're like oh this is nice they come in hardcover huh mm-hmm. i feel so fancy reading a comic book in hardcover format uh, they have it available in trade paperback format so it's for marvel at least that's the easy gateway like uh, dc i always mm. like suggesting either post uh crisis on infinite earths like the book you have behind you superman the man of steel mm-hmm. or Honestly, New 52. New 52 did a lot of reboots, like Wonder Woman. And I thought the reboot of Wonder Woman was great in 52. Rebirth is like a callback to uh, post-crisis years. But I think Rebirth had a good beginner's uh, stepping stone uh, for people. Uh, now, being selfish, of course, like Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, like for sure. The, um, the very first omnibus with uh, Giant Size X-Men. Because that, to me, is... Yes, yes, yes. Respect fast, but like we respect everything that happened in the past. But you don't really need to be bogged down by all that knowledge. I think the writers did a really good job of introducing all these characters, and then little by little, you get to find out about the old X and what Xavier did. It made it. I mean, it made it a great reading experience. Yeah, no, I, I think you. I think you're on the money, especially with Uncanny X Men, because there's. There's so many jumping on points. Like even uh, I was re- recently working with a, a young kid who was uh, loves the cinematic universe, and he was. I said, you know, you should read some of the comics because you've got a really good understanding of the comic book history without having read anything based just on your Wikipedia knowledge and and watching YouTube videos. He goes, I I, I would. I just don't know where to start. So I was like, hmm. And it made me think, like, where would you start if a person doesn't have something on their shelf? Would I direct them to an epic collection? Or And he went on Amazon and just started just buying everything. I'm going to read Infinity War tomorrow and then Infinity Gauntlet's coming. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to do this first because you won't yeah. get it. Right? And, and even if you suggest Infinity, like, if they're like, oh, I loved Infinity War, man. I want to know a, a, a really dark story like that. Well, that's the thing. The beauty of those movies is that it borrows elements from Everything. all over the place. Yeah. Like, you can't just say, here's Infinity Gauntlet, because then they're going to be like, okay. Okay, the only thing that that had was really the gauntlet and Thanos, like, nice. snapping his fingers. Where, 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 where's, uh, where's all this other stuff? Where's the Black Order? What's, what's going on? Right. That's, then that's the thing. It's like, well, the, the screenwriters had the beauty of having 40, 60, 50, 20 years of history to borrow from. And they took the best aspects from everything. Yeah, yeah. He was about to purchase the uh, the Maestro trade that w- that hadn't even been released yet. And I said, "You like Maestro, but maybe maybe that's not the book you think you're gonna get." And it's like there's so much there where it's be so easy for people to be led not led astray, but be gung ho for something and it's like that's not the story that i was looking for so i was just i always think to myself how would i gently help a person direct them to the story that they're looking for that would and i think uncanny x-men as as much as the claremont is very wordy and he's got the purple prose that's the x-men bottom line yeah yeah absolutely man i'm i i completely agree and and then there are people that don't like the silver age 
right there. Or even even though that's more Bronze Age slash Silver yeah. Age, yeah. there are people that are like, oh, this is way too wordy. Why are they explaining everything these characters are doing? I get that Wolverine has adamantium bones. Yeah, cool. Why does he have to tell me every issue? <laughs> yeah. Now, if that's the case, then, you know, you, you, you I try to push some modern stuff in there. So I think Astonishing X-Men is a great uh, example of that. Yeah. Um, my wife doesn't have a lot of fond memories of X-Men or has the ties to X-Men like I did. But when she read it, you know, it gives you that sense of nostalgia that you didn't even know you had for these characters. Because yeah. that's just the way it's written. Yeah. Yeah. I found that happened to me after I read House of X, Powers of Ten. That the, oh, right. the references that they make and the graphs that Hickman has there. And I'm like, I know a lot of a lot of X-Men stuff. I'm not a, an expert, but... I want to read all of these things that they're referencing. And I fell down that X-Men rabbit hole of, of Cable's history. And I said, this is amazing for me, a geek, a geek like myself. I'm like, I want to know everything there is to know about Cable, who in many ways was a maligned character of the 90s and too many pockets and all that jazz. But you go back and read them knowing what the era was. It's a lot of fun. To, to go back, I, I love explaining the history of Cable to my friends, especially the non-comic book fans. Right? When you're, you know, you're like, yeah, he's Cable's son from the future. He's got a clone. He came back. He's older now than his dad, but he was raised by his dad. But his dad wasn't in his real body. He went by. <laughs> it's just such a fun history to talk about this character because my friends, especially like I said, non-comic book readers, are like. How do you keep up with that garbage? And I'm like, I don't know. You keep up with all your sports teams and right? every little thing that they do. <laughs> Maybe you, this is the part of my brain that I like to use. It's, that it's the exact same part of the brain. When you can know a quarterback's rating and pass receiving and this and that exactly. from, from game three. Yeah, that's how I know what happened in, you know, Untold Tales of <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I think I'm, I'm the same way. So I think no matter what your hobbies are, this is uh this just happens to be mine and the one that I like to absorb like a freaking sponge. Yeah. Do you have a favorite era of publishing? Is there one that like is your sweet spot? <laughs> I think most people would probably say, you know, whatever their childhood was. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So for me, yeah, the 80 late 80s early 90s. There's that late 80s early 90s. And going back and reading uh, like the Silver Age stuff, man, uh, what I would have loved to have been a kid reading Fantastic Four back then. That thing is – have you ever read Fantastic Four, the Silver Age, Stanley and Kirby? Not yet, but I, I have them collected because I, I intend to because you ha- I, yeah. for me, I feel like if, if you're going to have anything on your shelf that you haven't read before, comic book fan, whatever the case may be, Fantastic Four has to be there. Just Kirby and, and Jack. Phenomenal. Like, you know, X-Men, yep. Silver Age – yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Avenger Silver Age, it's okay. But when you get to Fantastic Four, it's just, you know, after the first couple of issues, you're, you're like, oh man, this is really something else. Yeah, I feel like that way about Spider Man as well. But with FF, there was something special. Like, there was, like, the first story that continued into the next issue. Like, and then this epic event with Galactus, and, and that doesn't happen until the second omnibus, but still. I don't know. There was just something special about it. And I was thinking, like, if I was a kid reading that and for the first time saying, like, reading the words to be continued, I would have lost my freaking mind. I would be like, what do you mean to be I got to find that. That's the thing. Back then, like, people had a hard time. There were comic book shops, right? You had to go to the newsstand to try to find these things. And when you went to the newsstand, they better have not sold out because what happens if they had sold out of issue uh, 43, 
things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's true. There's something uh, about that continuing story of these fictional characters that uh, these like the especially with the FF, right? The universe just explodes to this level that you look like I, I showed my wife the other day when I was just explaining the power of continuity and how uh, story connecting stories through years. I'm like, look at that. That's an incredible feat that all of these writers and artists, all because it started with Jack Kirby saying, I'll write one last story. That's that's what it took. Yeah. And, and it's crazy if you think about it as a, like a, a comic book historian, if that's even a thing. I'm sure there will be one day. But <laughs> it, it, it's amazing to look at it and say, okay, if you were to go back and map everything out from Fantastic Four number one, Mm. and it just kept building on that it's mind-blowing like especially and and not even 10 years later just like five years later you are from from that moment you're like oh my gosh all these characters all these teams all these books i know it feels like the mcu yeah that's the movie like that that's what they did in the mcu yeah yeah i think you that that's exactly and and the excitement that you see the whole world now have People who've never read comics that are talking about WandaVision the way comic book fans used to talk about comic book events, it's exactly the same experience occurring that we get to see, not having lived the the silver age of of Marvel, we get to see a universe become what it is now and and seeing people now go back into the history books to see where it comes from. It's a very cool experience. Um, Was there ever a run for you that read better in a omnibus or collected form than the singles did. I find sometimes I enjoy singles or or oh. this read better this way. I didn't like it when it was in singles. Do you have one like that? Uh, probably, probably something modern mm. that I really enjoyed. Uh, singles. Well, I take it back because House and Powers of X. Reading it every week. Yeah, I remember. I remember thinking, man, it feels good to be an X-Men reader again. Like mm. every week, I was so happy to get a new comic book. I'm like, yes, what's going to happen this week? What's, <laughs> what more are you up to? What life are we living? Um, but then there's issues that Hickman has done. Like I think Hickvengers, the Avengers run by Hickman, read better in collected editions I think so than too. it did. Waiting for it. Fantastic Four honestly did because there were big dips sometimes. And those big dips in between months, especially, could, you know, they, they just take a toll on you. And waiting around, it kind of, your, your, your excitement kind of dies down. Um, Walking Dead, I think Walking Dead, I had fun reading in uh, collected editions. Invincible was the same way. Yeah, I was going to say the same, same thing. But then, but that's, that's it, right? Like the writers these days know, oh, well, my stuff's going to be collected in a trade paperback, and if I write 12 issues, it's going to be collected in a hardcover. They know these days. Whereas back then, in the Silver Age, and the Bronze Age, they had no idea. They were just writing, writing sake. Yeah, yeah, no, it, you're right. It, it, even, even sometimes when I read something like you mentioned Invincible in the 12 issues, if I had read those in just those four-issue trades, I don't know if I would have been as interested in that next storyline as much as I would be when I'm in the middle of a 12-issue uh, hardcover, knowing that these four issues might be slow or nothing happened, but boom, that next issue kicks off and you're right in, back into the middle of something amazing. So it, I, I do think that these, uh, you're right, these writers take those things, and they must take those things into consideration, knowing that it'll be oh, yeah. collected this way. You'll, you'll see. And, 
And as a writer, don't you think that that is... Can you imagine if Jack Kirby and Stanley had known that these things were going to be collected? Like, their stories would have been different. Yeah. Now, I don't, and I don't think that it would have definitely changed things, right? It would have, it would have definitely changed the way that comics were written. Because they had the Marvel way of writing comics. And they were all in one. Okay, we're going to start a story, wrap it up by the end of the issue. That way the next issue will be a completely different story, different characters, uh, different villains. But... Yeah, I can't imagine them saying, okay, we're going to take 12 issues hmm. to introduce this character of Doctor Doom. He's going to be the big baddie, but it's going to take 12 issues because we got to introduce Ledbury in one issue. we got to introduce uh, his underlings. Like, that's I – I can't imagine that being done in Silver Age. I know. And it, um, it's, it's so interesting to even imagine what that would have been like to, to – because all of those books, like you said, they were packed with – so many sure, panels, dude. so many words. And if those one issue, some of those one issues could have been a six issue story today. They just packed so I much. Always, I always make that joke. Can you imagine <laughs> if we had uh, Days of Future Past today? Oh. Two issues. Days of Future Past would be a 24 issue maxi series with events tying into oh everything. yeah like it would like, editors would have been like wait 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 it would be really cool if like the avengers were in there too maybe we can make avengers 35 a tie-in issue like seriously at the chance of a possible future like insane man That's like cool. you'd have an omnibus that thing yeah. over 1500 <laughs> pages of days of future past that's so that's, two issues that's, two that's, issues man that's all it took john byrne terry austin chris claremont two issues man and it holds up it's still the standard yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I want to ask you a question about your good friend, sure. David Gabriel. How did that connection yeah. occur? Oh, um, happenstance. <laughs> I, I was working on videos on my channel, and then uh, one day, even back then, this was a couple of years ago, I just said, you know what, I'm going to take a break. I don't want to do a video. I just want to do free comic book day. And we had done a funny free comic book day the year before. Like, just my wife and I and my kids goofing around. And it's a lot of fun. So then my youngest daughter was like, aren't you going to make a video, Poppy? And I'm like, no, I don't want to make it. She's like, I really want to do a video. And I'm like, fine, we'll make a video. And I didn't want to. And that's the video that he saw. Somebody at Marvel sent it to him. And what's funny is he thought I was a video blogger, a blogger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And. You know, it's just me and my family. He was like, yeah. When we talked on the phone, he was like, I thought you were a funny guy. You had a, uh, you know, you had a cute family. And I thought you were just a video blogger. And then I started watching your other videos. And you were, like, doing solicitations. And then you were reviewing books. And in one video in particular, you were calling uh, my department out for leaving out a specific story. And I was, like, on the phone with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did that. And he was like, yeah, you looked at the camera. And you're like, get your crap together, Marvel. You need to fix this. And. He was like, that was, you were talking to me. <laughs> because that's, I made that decision. <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, almost bit my tongue. And he was like, no, no, that's good. I like the honesty. I thought that was really good. You really know your stuff. So then he, we talked, like, we talked for about an hour and a half, man. It's, it was really crazy. Because even back then, I always, when I tell this story, like, I thought it was somebody messing with my head. Like, yeah, obviously, my channel's not that big. Why is the vice president of calling me? Right. I thought somebody somebody was uh, messing around with me and even until i got until it wasn't he went on vacation he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna send you uh uh and i, I have to mention this part 
because I said, if I'm taking, if I have this chance to talk to the vice president of sales and marketing, then I need to get him out. I said, you guys need to reprint books. You know, you two to three books a year. That's not enough. There's so many people buying these books. I was like, uh, what about like Daredevil uh, by Bendis and Annihilation? Because I thought if this is my one chance that I'm going to get at least a couple books that I know my viewers want it printed. And then, and then I said, and how, how, is, how, like, how do you make decisions? Like, why would you not do an incredible book by Peter David, but you did oh, by Jeff? That story sucked. And he was like, <laughs> you know, Jeff Loeb is a really good friend of mine. And again, I was like, oh my gosh, I just need to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's with all that you said, there's a necessity for honesty. And your channel, from what I've seen, and I watch mostly the collected editions and overviews of Omnibus and things like that, but you never are disparaging. So I'm like, does he recommend it or what? Like, give me some kind of, because I was on the (laughs) fence about uh, Wonder Woman from Phil Jimenez and I didn't really have any friends who could give me a good take and you did a video and I, and you were honest. You're like, look, the art is beautiful and it's not my favorite moment. And I said, okay, I I think me and him kind of have a similar taste so I, i'm gonna yeah. read between the lines but you're never rude but you're honest and i think you being honest to david gabriel i don't know if you're the person to thank for getting annihilation back on the shelf but if that conversation <laughs> had anything to do with it thank you because i love it i had never read it before oh i'm so glad you liked it um after that conversation ended he emailed me he's like okay we're gonna reprint annihilation and daredevil and again i thought it was some guy messing with me so I was like, sure. And he's like, do you want to announce it on a video? And I was like, of course. And then I was second guessing myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if this guy's not real? What if none of this is real? I'm going to announce this reprint. And and it's and if it doesn't happen, people are going to hate me. And I'm going to have to make an apology video like all these other YouTubers I've seen. Like, it was great. It was a stressful time. I'll say that. You can ask my wife how it's, it's just, this is real, and she's like, "It's it's it's real. It's it, it's real." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever, whatever." Um, because to me, I'm a, I'm the type of person that something isn't real until I'm physically holding it in my hand. So it was. He went on vacation, and then he was like, "I'm going to send you an omnibus, an advanced copy of that whole book that you don't like." And I was like, "Okay." And that was the first one. So when I got it. I remember getting it in the mail before because the book was coming out like a month or so later, and I'm like, "Oh my god, it's real!" Like, like I don't know if he made this. Like, if, uh, if they're if they're trolling me this hard that they went to make a Marvel omnibus, but this is uh this is surreal and crazy. So that's how that's how that began, man. And we've been we've been talking ever since. He really, uh, you know, he he likes the input, and it's nice to see like a company it's crazy if i take a step back to see a company that big listening to the fan base i've never seen that happen i don't know of any other i don't know of any other kind of relationship like that a small little youtube channel feels like they have a place because they represent what everybody else wants like re, like announcing ultimate spider-man was such a big deal while i don't have so many subscribers love it they were like what's happening man this was my this was my childhood i needed to happen so getting to announce it was such a yeah that is very cool and to think too like something that we are a part of simply because we love it and now uh you know we're getting certain like 
to think that you and, and the audience were getting things that we want because we're just saying it by the people that we had always hoped would like, I wish they could make this. Well, let's tell them that we want it and it's happening. It's like Christmas every day. My wife said, I, I understand why you have this sort of sense of happiness all the time because you always have something to look forward to. And when, yeah. we, when we have like those books coming out, those solicitations, it, it's, it's more than just collecting. It's like we got next Wednesday or next Tuesday, this is coming out. And I've been waiting for that ultimate Spider-Man omnibus forever. I never thought it would happen again. Like yeah. It keeps you hopeful. And, and, and that's the word, right? Hopeful. And that's what I – like it's not about the hits. It's not about like the likes or, or whatever. For me, I'll never forget – uh, the very first time I mentioned Annihilation, there was a comment on the video. The guy was like, it was something along the lines of like, I just, you know, I just got out of the hospital. It's not good news. I, you know, I'm going through a horrible, horrible time in my life. And just the thought of this book, being able to purchase it, like, gives me a reason to live. Like, I'll never forget that. And I kept up with that guy. Like we, we keep up, like he still like watches my videos and stuff because that's the kind of thing that I wanted to build out of this. I wanted to make somebody's day better because I know what it felt like. Cause I, you know, I've been there and I've had crappy days and I know what it felt like to look at the written documentation of like books coming out, like everybody else did on either Newsarama or comic book resources would, would release them, you know, and, and, and look at the schedule and like, Oh yeah, this is coming. That's so cool. Yeah. And now I get to be that guy that brings that kind of feeling to people. And I don't know. If I take a step back, it's insane. Like, like, like I always say, like, 15 people may be like, how would you do this, man? This is crazy. Yeah. You of all people. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? When people say to me, what's, the, what's, the, uh, what's your end game with the podcast? How many hits do you like? How many followers? How many this? I said, you know what? I really don't keep track. But the best part of it has been able to, one, talk to people's, people whose work I really, really love and I could tell them that it, it was important to me. But also you make these uh, connections, these connections that you make with people uh, that you never thought you would is really, really cool. And it only happened because we started a podcast or in your case, uh, you know, you started your, your YouTube channel. And what's your, what's your daughter's name who wanted to make that video that day? Alicia. Alicia, you are a smart girl. Thank you for making your daddy make that video because it it changed everything really, right? Yeah, I always joke on my channel that there was uh, the age, um, the before Omar age of Omnis (laughs) where we used to get two to three Omni reprints a year to the after Omar age, which is like three to four a month. Now it's, it's kind of insane, but at least everybody gets to... Uh, enjoy the books that they want to get the books that they want. And it's crazy. Like people now getting into it are living in the best of times. They had no idea the struggles that we went through 15 years ago, 10 years ago, waiting around for hopefully, hopefully, hopefully somebody on eBay will have new X-Men put up. Right. Yeah. No, now it's like, uh, it's almost like the, the way Disney is where they may say, Oh no, it's out of print. It's out of the vault. But eventually it'll come back in print. It'll come back. We, we always have that hope now that I'll get it when it comes back in reprint because of, you know, channels like your, yours that you get to talk to David Gabriel and say, no, no, put that back on the shelf. People will buy it again. They want it. Oh yeah. He, he gets, a, he gets a list from me three, three <laughs> times a year. He gets a big list from me 
actually we're doing that poll at the end of this month of most wanted omnibus reprints so yeah very cool very 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 cool well Thank you for your time today. I know we, uh, we, we, uh, we're going to finish at 6 o'clock our Eastern time, but I hope we can have a chat again because it's been a blast. We, we flew please, through it. Please, please, please do. Yes, please invite me back. This was a lot of fun, and I don't think uh, – I think I can do this for a lot longer when I'm not <laughs> tied down to other commitments. No problem. With, with, that, with that said, I will hold you to it, and we will schedule another one for perhaps a longer conversation, and we'll maybe get deeper into the uh, – the collector, the geekiness of collecting something. So thank you, uh, yeah, Mr. Uncanny Omar. Everybody watch <laughs> Near Mint Condition if you want to know how to properly spend your disposable income on comic books. And what do we have to look forward to from the channel? What's what's coming up this week? Uh, this week I'm announcing some – actually, I just got an email from Marvel. I'm, um, I have, I'm getting ready to announce tomorrow will be one omnibus – some masterworks and some oversized hardcovers coming out for the rest of the year. And then every, looks like every day after that, it'll be one omnibus, one reprint and then one new one. Um, and then there's three or four more omnis that I get to announce later on, probably next week sometime. Fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably be watching all those videos myself. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, thank you man. so much for your hard work and the love that uh, you share with, with the community. I think it's so important right now to do things that are positive and uh, to share things we thank love. You. So all the best to you. We'll, we will talk soon and uh, we're going to do this again. Thank you everybody for listening to episode 230. Uh, rate and review the show on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And we will be back soon. And make sure you watch Near Mint Conditions. 